Hi, Todd. Hi, Mike. It's Mike and Todd without Evan. Evan is not here, but we have some really important things to share with you really, really fast, Mike, go. Yes, so this episode, episode 17, Matt Fish. Great interview. I had a great time. Thank you so much, Matt, for coming on. Hope everyone enjoys it. Um, Just want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening to the podcast, whether you were with us in the beginning or you're coming in late. Just keep listening. Uh, Todd, we're very excited to announce that we are on the first annual podcast awards. We were nominated. Holy crap. And we're in second place right now. And we need your help to win this thing. So uh, we'll put a link in the description of uh, the release of this episode. Uh, Check that link out. Vote for us. Um, We need your help. So enjoy the show. Uh, This is Matt Fish, CEO and founder of The Melt Bar and Grilled. Hey, it's Mike. It's Todd. And it's Evan, and welcome upstairs to another episode of the Third Floor Podcast. This week, however, we are not coming to you from upstairs. We are coming to you from the Melt Bar and Grilled at Easton Town Center. We are fortunate enough to have the owner and founder of Melt, Mr. Matt Fish. So, Matt, thank you for coming on the show today. Honored to be here, gentlemen. Yeah, thanks for driving down from Cleveland this morning, too. Yes. It was a very early morning for me. Very yeah. late night, early morning. So. Nice. That nice. sounds pretty typical in the restaurant industry. It is. It is. My coffee is by my side. I'll be, this will be my f- first of many today, so I'm yeah. good. All how right. many How many coffees do you drink on average? Uh, depends on the day. Depends on the on the size of the coffee that we're speaking of. Ah. This is my to-go cup that I t- typically will bring down. This is probably 24 ounces here. Nice. Um, so that's a good. That's a good size to start. So with. I'll brew. I'll brew coffee in my house. Uh, there's a local coffee shop up in Cleveland that's. One of my favorites called Loop Coffee. It's in Tremont. Uh, we actually met there. Yeah, that's actually yeah, yeah. met for coffee. Yeah, we met for coffee uh, for the pre-discussion of the podcast. <laughs> yep. So uh, I used to live in Tremont, and I I still go there uh, every week and buy beans. And I have a grinder at home, so I grind it every morning. Nice. And and the grinder wakes up my baby, and he gets upset, and my wife gets upset, <laughs> and I was like, "Look, I have to make coffee." Do you have a dog? I, we have two dogs. We have. Do two. the dogs get upset? Uh, the dogs don't care. No, they're okay. big. They're big, lazy dogs. They're two Great Danes. They're very, oh, they're very large animals, but they're also very lazy. So they do not get up in the morning when I get up. Nice, nice. Well, we got our coffee too. Mike was oh, yeah. uh, very nice this morning. I I brewed some coffee this morning, but it didn't turn out very well. Oh. I I guess I we, so we just got our first puppy, ah. and uh, my wife and I, and and he's keeping us on our toes. So my coffee hasn't been spot on. So Mike was nice enough to bring, bring some Starbucks. Guy, so. Mike. What a guy. All right. Now um, let's, let's, uh, let's get into this here. Yeah, yeah. Matt, we like to start the show off with a little question. How do you feel about pineapple on pizza? Is this the trick question? This it could it. be. <laughs> Every question you're going to ask me today is going to be the surprise trick question. <laughs> That's right. The whole show we is did not preface this, this. We did, I do not know what's coming. Do, what, how, repeat the question. How do you make sure. feel about pineapple on pizza? Is this a multiple choice, or this is just a throwing an answer out there? You know, it's really this a, is a yes like it, no. b love it, c hate it, d all the above. Do you feel it above? should be allowed I, on pizza? I, I will give you my opinion. I think it is a good pizza topping. I am a fan nah. of pineapple on pizza. Uh, I'm not a meat eater any longer. Uh, I stopped eating meat uh, going on 14 years ago. Wow! But wow. one of my favorite pizzas that I would get, and it's a funny story, is when we opened up the first Melt Bar and Grilled location back in 2006, 
there was a lo- there still is a local pizza shop in Lakewood called Angelo's, which is one of the best pizza in Cleveland. Anyways, I basically lived on Angelo's Pizza opening the nice. first melt location because I was going there every single day doing the renovation work myself with three of my friends. And I was working at the time, so I'd work during the day, go over there at night, or my one or two days off a week, I would uh, be there like pretty much open to close 24 hours a day. So my, my, whole, my point to this story is that pizza, Angelo's Pizza with pineapple and bacon was one of my go-to pizzas back in those days there you go pineapple and bacon you you need the sweet mixed with the kind of the savory of the meat and uh the the oily and the fat content of the meat the sweet kind of breaks it down and pineapple when it's cooked it takes on a a completely different um composition than it is when it's raw because very true does caramelize a little bit on top yeah um so you get some of that that caramelized sugar notes mixed with the pizza the the topping it just kind of works yeah, uh, I haven't had it honestly in a, on pizza in, in quite a number of years. This I'm dating myself here. So probably the last <laughs> time would would have been 13 or 12 or or so years ago wow. that I actually had it. But my memory serves me right. There you I, go. I, I, I'm a fan. So. Well, I'll be honest. You're the first person who's ever been okay with pineapple really? on pizza on yep. the show. Yeah, I know it's a non-traditional uh, pizza topping, and I might get some flack for it's it. It's a very hot topic. Yeah. It is. I you know you ask the question, people lose their mind. I'm like, a I'm a trendsetter, I guess. I have a friend yeah. who right. listens to the show. He'll he'll appreciate that. He loves pineapple on pizza. Oh yeah, what's his name? His name's Kyle Good. So Kyle Good, good job, buddy. That's a good topping. Shout <laughs> out, I, Kyle. I, I agree. Try it. Try with try the try the uh, the pineapple with bacon. It's that sounds a good. winner. There's two things Kyle likes, and that's pineapple on pizza and Evan's mullet. So. Uh. I, he's, he's I'm also true. a fan of Evan's mullet. So. <laughs> Thank you. I'm honored. <laughs> well, listen, uh, Kyle and I are we're we're really excited about this. This is going to be a great conversation. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk all kinds of different things. We've got a pretty good show set up here. Uh, but why don't we just start with this? Give us a little backstory. Where are you from? What are your favorite hobbies apart from you know the melt? Um, and then like I w- in our pre meeting we were talking a little bit of music, so that'll that'll sure. come from me in a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, so so where are you from? Where, give us a little backstory. On All that. right, so the, the the very condensed nutshell version of my life, I guess, because uh, we could probably talk for a long time about it. Um, <laughs> I'm a Clevelander, born and raised in Cleveland. Uh, I will probably end up being there my entire life, which isn't a bad thing. I do love Cleveland. Um, I graduated high school in 1991, so that makes me 46 years old. I was negative today. two. Congratulations. <laughs> um, so right out of high school, I I was always into music. I grew up playing music, uh, listening to bands in the '60s, '70s, and '80s. Like uh, rock and roll kind of got me through yeah. life. Uh, it was like my first passion. Uh, started playing drums, and when I was in grade school, really fell in love with music in general. So, but my career, my uh, my music, and my I guess my culinary career started right after high school because I was playing some high school bands, and yeah. we were making some noise in Cleveland, and you know we we're getting some attention, but. Um, I come from a kind of conservative family background, so my family was like, "Look, you got to have some sort of sure. plan B." I mean, the music thing is great; we'll support you forever. But if you can't pay the bills doing that, what do you? What else are you going to do? Right, so right. I was going to community college at the time. Uh, there's a school in, in Cleveland called Cuyahoga, Cuyahoga County Community College, which is yep. the largest community college in the Greater Cleveland area. Um, so I was taking some general classes. Had no idea where I was going to what I was going to do with it. I actually thought I was going to be a uh, early elementary school teacher. That was kind oh, of cool. my 
my vision at that at that point being 18, 19 years old. And um, I started dating this girl. Most most good or bad stories start with a girl, don't they? <laughs> but so I started date, dating this girl, and she worked at a local pizza shop uh, in Parma, Ohio, which is a suburb south of Cleveland where I grew up. Um, and actually, a funny story about Parma: it was used to be one of the largest suburb in the United States. Wow! Uh, back in I think the late fifties and early sixties, it was it its claim to fame was the largest suburb in the United States. So, <laughs> wow. but not any longer. Anyways, <laughs> so I was dating this girl, and she worked at a pizza shop, uh, Italian restaurant in Parma, where I grew up. It was a little mom and pop shop. the The owners were first generation Italian. Um, it was their family business. So I would go down and visit her while she was working all the time. Yeah. I was stocking shelves at a grocery store at the time, going to school, playing music. And uh, I would pop in when I, my shift was done because she'd work the night shift and I'd work in during the day or go to school during the day. So I'd go see her. And it was a small operation, only a couple people that, that worked there. So and eventually... You know, it would get busy, so I would just jump in and help. So I was making dough, making pizzas, taking deliveries when the delivery guy didn't show up, or washing dishes, or clearing clearing tables. And I, I kind of fell in love with it, you know. So nice. I found myself going to visit her, not only to visit her, but actually to work there and wow. for free. And I, and I started thinking about this, like, wait a second, why don't I just get a job here? I really love this. Yeah. I loved cooking at home with my parents. So I actually come from a pretty decent uh, culinary background at home. My, my mom was a great cook. My grandparents were great cooks. They owned a farm uh, in the Cleveland area. So I kind of grew up with that kind of farm-to-table kind of lifestyle. But I never put two and two together that I could actually have a career doing this. So yeah. once I fell into the restaurant industry... I fell in love with it, so I was like, wow, this is great. So I quit my job, stocking shelves at a grocery store. I ended up getting a job working side-by-side with my girlfriend at the time. And uh, significant others, when they work together, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. And this one did not work out, so we (laughs) we really butt heads a lot because she had been there for a couple years, and she was kind of like running the show with the owner. That's some seniority. And I came in, and I was like a go-getter, and I was trying to do everything at the same time. And it was just like, this isn't going to work. So she ended up leaving. We break up. I stay, um, and then while I'm going to Tri-C, which is the, the the college, I realized that they had a hospitality management department. So oh, culinary cool. arts, hotel motel management, restaurant management. You can get all these kind of degrees doing that. So yeah. I, I've looked into it more, enrolled into it, uh, took the 101 class, fell in love with it. So I jumped in with both feet um, and finished that right around 96, 97. Um, I was four at the time. All right. I like how you're just dating. I'm just going to keep bing, 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 that. Bing. Yeah. That's quick math, too. You're, you're math is like I could sort not. of my strong suit. But. Uh, 146 plus 72. Okay, not that strong. Uh, come on. <laughs> this is... Two hundred and forty eight. You could have said six hundred and twelve and I would be like, Oh, yeah, that's that's wow, right. man, you're so smart. That sounds great. Wow, you rattled that number off really quick. <laughs> What'd you say? One forty six plus seventy two? I don't even remember. One yeah, but I, I sure. One forty six plus seventy two. Evan Evan's smarter than I me. I think two hundred and eighteen. All right. And I'm not a math think? guy. You think? That's what I'm saying, I think. It's dangerous when Evan thinks. All right. <laughs> so you're going to the school and you, you found you found that you had this deep passion for I found a deep passion this this restaurant. I gotta see side this of you. guy once. So Oh, we got a guy walking around yeah, the restaurant. Yeah, got a guy walking around. Let's All right, we're going to pause for just a second. Let me see what he wants. I can let him in the door, and then I can... I can All right, cool. On. We'll pause we'll right pause. here. And we're back. Matt had to uh, assist a local friend uh, who was looking for somewhere. I wouldn't really call him a friend <laughs> since we've never met before. 
It was a delivery guy. It was a beer delivery guy. So they're he's very important. important. They're yeah. very important people. They're they're bringing us the the nectar of the gods so we can pour it and make money and serve people. So and watch funny things happen. So all right. So so, so I um where I, I left off where I was going. I finished up school, and um so I was still working at this little pizza shop. I finished school. I decided to jump into the culinary world in Cleveland. So I, I worked at various restaurants in the Cleveland area for about fifteen years, and um. I, I always had this passion for doing my own thing. Like I'm, I'm very entrepreneurial spirited. Um, I was the kid that was had the lemonade stand, you know, when he was or had the was organizing garage sales or just finding different schemes of how to make money. Um, my parents were not believers in allowances, so you know, mowing the lawn, cleaning your room, helping do the dishes, helping cook food and keep the house together wasn't wasn't for for profit it was because right. you're part of this family and this is what you do that's you have, what I, yeah. you have a roof over your head kid i can relate so yeah. i had to i had to have paper routes i had to have jobs i you know so my you know my first job was when i was like 12 delivering papers just so i could make not make ends meet but if i wanted a record i had to earn money to buy it you know it's like my parents weren't throwing money at me so anyways i was very entrepreneurial spirit if i wanted something i had to go after and get it so i was new growing up that i wanted to do my own thing i wanted to do something on my own i didn't necessarily want to work for someone else my whole entire life i wanted to start a business of some sort so once I got into the restaurant industry, I realized, aha, this is what I want to do. I want to open up my own restaurant. So my pretty much after the, uh, starting to work at that little pizza joint, everything I did up to that point, up to me opening Melt, was leading up to me opening up my own restaurant. Um, I took a lot of things in. I took notes. I made mental notes. I watched things. I was I took inventory of different restaurants I was in around the country when I was doing some traveling, even in Cleveland. I wanted to do something fun, unique, interesting, but different. Like the key would be, would always be different. Like I like this, but I want to do it differently. Or I see this and I kind of I like it, but I want to incorporate that somehow. But I want to do it differently. You know, it was never like a carbon copy of something else I saw. I I always took pieces, parts of uh, tons of different things around the country, whether it was bars, restaurants, clubs. It could be a, a, a pizza shop. It could be a record store. It could be a coffee shop. I mean, it could be anything you, I saw. You know, so yeah, that makes me want to ask um, how long. Because that, that's a good research period is what it, it's amounting to. Um, because it's, you know, any wise person knows that if you're going to start a business, mm-hmm. um, it's going to take a little bit of planning, you know, which right. turns into a lot of planning. It does. Um, it does. Well, I mean, I opened Melt when I was 33. So you could, you could, I could make an argument for 33 years of research yeah. and development to, to get to the point. Because I really had to get to the point in my life, both personally and professionally, to where I was not necessarily ready to open melt, but I was ready to open a restaurant. I was ready to take that commitment. So I had to work for other people for a real long time to kind of hone my craft, to figure out my management style, my ownership style, my food style, you know, my cooking style. Um, you know, I was a musician for quite a number of years, you know, trying to make it, you know, playing music. So, you know, that was part of what Melt is. That was part of, of my upbringing. That was part of what makes me who I am was the music career that I tried to have and the people that I was surrounded by and the type of music I played and the, the traveling I did and we did everything on a shoestring budget so you know you you'll learn how to get by and, and you don't mind sleeping on people's floors and getting paid a hundred bucks a night and wondering if you're going to make it to the next city because you can't do we have enough gas money to get there kind of situation is the van gonna make it yeah, yeah. and uh, you know just saw it was it was a it was a great it was a great time to grow up it was a great yeah. period um I learned a lot 
Um, but I had to get all that stuff out of my system because I never wanted to look back and regret. So once I opened the restaurant, I knew that I had to commit 110%. I was never going to be able to do all those other things ever, pretty much ever again. So I, I had to work other places first. I had to do that home music thing because I never, I didn't want to open the restaurant and then two years later be like, oh, I'm really bored with this. I wish I would have traveled more. I wish I would have like really pushed that music thing because maybe that's what I wanted to do in my life. So. I was fortunate that I set a few goals for myself when I was in my younger days, you know, way back in my teens and early 20s of, hey, I want to I want to be an accomplished musician. I want to put records out. I want to travel. I want to try to make it in music. So I really took that and pushed it as far as I could for about 13 to 15 years. And then my second goal was I really want to open my own business, which turned out to be a restaurant. And I really want to make a go at that and hopefully be successful at it. So, I mean, here I am, 46 years old, and I've pretty much accomplished the two major goals that I set for myself in life. So now I'm just like, well, what the fuck do I do next? You know, <laughs> you know now now what do I do, you know? That's but awesome. I've got a family now, and I've got a, a great wife. She's amazing, yeah. super supportive. We just had our first son, who's nine months old now. You were saying you had two Great Danes. Two Great Danes, you know, a house in Cleveland. So, I mean, if my personal life is better than it's ever been, my personal life has always been in, like, turmoil and trauma and, you know, different girls, whether, I mean, I was been married, I've been divorced, I've been in serious relationships, those break up. I mean, everything revolves around me, my personal life, like yeah. what I want to accomplish in life. And, I, you know, I've been a pretty selfish person for a long time in my life. I mean, I'm honest enough to say that because when I was playing music, that's all that mattered yeah. was I need, look, I need to do this. Whether, you know, if you want to be with me, that's great, but you understand, I have to understand I need to do this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, lo I lost some people along the way, and the same thing happened when I opened the restaurant. I was like, look, I'm sorry, but I need to do this. It's not like should I or shouldn't I. It's like I'm going to, I need to, and I need to do it 110%. So I might not see you for two weeks. I might not see my family for a month. I might not talk to some of my friends in a, for a year. But that's just how it goes. You guys know where to find me. I'll be <laughs> running the kitchen here at this right. restaurant for the next X number of years, you know. And, you know, and I was married at the time. My ex-wife just couldn't buy into it. She just couldn't understand, like, why do you have to keep going there every day? You've just worked, like, 21 days in a row. I'm like, well, that, this is a, this is, it's just starting. What are you talking about, you well, know? Well, when you're all in, I mean, especially when you're starting a business, you know, yeah. I think I – so I'm, I'm in business school right now, mm -hmm. so – we're hearing all these different, you know, facts and stuff about how small businesses, whenever they start, they fail within like, uh, what, seven years or it may three years. Three, I mean, the restaurant industry three years, is so. if you survive three years in the restaurant industry, if you can be profitable yeah. in three for for three years, then you're called a success. Wow. Whether you have a, a million dollars in the bank or a dollar in the bank, if if you can be if you can be in the black, then you are. If you can make it three years, wow, successful. Yeah, I mean it's 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 hard. I mean I, it's yeah. certainly not the road that I would suggest other people do. This is just personal to me. I'm. I'm the type of person that's all or nothing. Like yeah. I'm going in 110% and I'm doing it. Cause I, what's the point of doing something 60%, 70%, 80%, yeah. you know, you sell yourself it, short. It doesn't make yeah. sense to me. And I see that a lot with people in the younger generation. No offense to you guys. How old are, where, how so old are you now? I'm, I'll be 26 this year. I'm currently oh, okay. 25. Mike is 23. I'm in my LeBron year right now. Oh, so. it's all downhill from here. Oh yeah. And then <laughs> Evan's like 40. So <laughs> are you 26, 26, yeah, so you guys have the whole life in front of you, for yeah. sure. Well, yeah. and you, you talk about, um, like, the sacrifices you've made. Has your mindset changed at all where Oof. you're at now? Having oh, a for family, sure. Having oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you can't keep that same grind up. You can't keep that same schedule up for your entire life. Yeah. I mean, I've literally been doing it since I was in my late, you know, my late teens, probably 18, 19 years old, up until 
even last year, this year, is still like working one or, I mean, back in the day, working two to three jobs, playing music, dating girls, like trying to have a, a social life, you know, and then Open and Melt was literally, I mean, I no, no exaggeration, I was working 100 to 110 hours a week. Um, for the first six, eight, nine, ten months. I mean, the, the first three years are like a blur. I don't even remember it. It was, mm-hmm. it, not that it happened so fast, but it was just like literally twenty four seven, and it still is. My life is still twenty four seven. Kind of revolves around yeah. the restaurant. I'm just not as involved in the operations as I used to be. Now I'm, I'm trying to take a little bit more of a ownership role. I, I I'm the I'm in charge of a lot of the marketing for the restaurant. Um, I'm kind of like the figurehead, like the rally guy, like, Hey, let's come on, you know, let's go, let's get it together kind of thing. Let's just, you know, dig in and do it. Um, kind of the organizer. I'm still, you know, I'm the face of the brand. So I'm out there doing things like this, you know, doing commercials, doing, doing podcasts, uh, doing a lot of the marketing stuff, doing a lot, tons of charity events where you go and serve food or, or be a part of something to raise money for, you know, as a representative of Melt. Yeah, that, well, we can definitely tell. I mean, it, and just so for our listeners, the way this kind of happened, I'll let Evan explain it because uh, he's kind of the reason this all yeah. kicked off. That you know, for for having you on the show, like, oh, cool. Um, so thanks to Evan, I'll let you explain. It. And then also, I'm throwing it over to Evan because Evan's a huge Indians fan, and I'll let him speak for himself. Uh, but we got, I think he's got some Indians questions for Uh-oh. you. So go for it, Evan. I was actually going to save the Indians questions for a little later. I was going <laughs> to try fine. To, the with the way the conversation is going. We're talking about the restaurant. We have a run a show. Um, we were going to get to it later on, but just based on how the conversation is going, um, want to mention to our listeners out there. So, Melt. Um, if you live in Cleveland, if you live in Columbus, you're probably well aware of Melt. Hopefully, um, it you should be. It has been featured on TV shows. Come on, TV shows um, such as Man vs. Food, uh, Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives. I've seen the clip on YouTube where Guy Fieri, I believe, came to the original Met location. Correct. So I'll ask you about that and how it was sure. meeting the, the mayor of Flavortown. But I kind of <laughs> want to know. I'm sure that's a self Was I? Thing. He was the mayor of Flavortown. Yeah. Or am I the mayor? He, You're the mayor of Grilled Cheese. Flavortown, I am. I am. Which I want to ask you. Of grilled Cheese Land. I mean, it's Melt such land. a childhood staple. It's a dream. Like, grilled Cheese, like, you know. American cheese sandwich between two two pieces of bread. Mm-hmm. I want to know how do the idea for like these gourmet grilled cheese sandwiches? Why grilled cheese? Essentially, uh, that's a darn good question, and that's a question I get asked because a lot. Why grilled cheese? Nobody else out there has a place like Melt. That's that's part of the reason. You you answer your own question. Podcast over. No, I'm just <laughs> He's going to leave again. We're done. We're, we're done yeah, here. I'm out of here. <laughs> oh, somebody else is here. Oh, sorry. I got to be there. No, just, um, Well, I mean, the, the main re- – well, grilled cheese has always been a favorite food of mine from, from growing up as a kid. It was the first thing that my mom let me, let me cook, um, you know, and I was – just what I explained before, I'm a very busy type person. I don't like to sit down. I, I'm not complacent. I, I don't watch television shows. Like, I just think they're a waste of time, you know. So, um, always on the go. So, in my younger days, always on the go meant, like, not eating. So, I was always grabbing good bread, good cheese at, at the house, and I was just making a quick sandwich, and I was running. And I was eating on the car ride to go someplace else and do whatever I was doing. So, grilled cheese was always, to me, just a very quick and easy but delicious kind of thing because I grew up with it. Even through my college years into my early adult years, um, I just loved that type of sandwich. Once I was working in different restaurants in the greater Cleveland area, 
Um, I don't think you guys have been in the restaurant industry, but so, at least somebody out there that's listening to this has been. It doesn't matter when you work in a restaurant. It doesn't matter how good the food is in the, the particular restaurant you work in. If you've worked there for quite a number of months or years, you start to get tired of the type of food that's served in that restaurant because you see it every day, you make it every day, you serve it every day, you technically eat it every day because you take food home with you. So what restaurant people end up doing is they find ingredients that this restaurant has and you make up other things with it. You, you, you figure out how to manipulate certain things on the menu. Be like, hey, I want this, but take this and this and this off and add this and I want this on this. So that, that kind of thing. So what I was doing was I would find good bread and good cheese and good ingredients in every restaurant I worked at and I would always make myself some sort of grilled cheese type sandwich every night when I was done working. I would pack it to go, take it home, watch late night television, that's the only time television is really good is late night. Especially, True story. Especially like 10, 15 years ago when MTV was still relevant. They would play all these <laughs> behind the music episodes at VH1, all this kind of stuff. Or like you could watch like uh, Futurama or Simpsons episodes. And I could catch up Heck on all yeah. that crap. Anyways, so I was making these really awesome sandwiches and I'm for myself, taking them home, eat them, come back the next day, not thinking anything of it, you know. But other people in the restaurant started seeing me making these sandwiches. And they're like, oh, that looks really good. Why don't you make me one? Make me one. So I ended up making, you know, 5, 10, 15 of these sandwiches for everybody else in the restaurant every night. Not, they don't want to order anything else. On the re- they, want to, they want me to make these stupid grilled cheese sandwiches for them. So <laughs> that kind of stuck in my brain. And so as I started putting together recipes and menu ideas for what was going to eventually be my restaurant, not even thinking it was going to be a gourmet grilled cheese restaurant, I, I always had a very nice menu written, um, kind of a bar, gastropubby kind of thing, like white tablecloth type food, but, but presented in a bar atmosphere. Um, but I, so I had the, a nice menu written, but I always had this little sidekicker grilled cheese menu. I thought it would be kind of fun to have a, maybe 10 or 15 grilled cheese sandwiches that you could order any time of day, but here's the real menu. And the more I worked on both of these menus and the more I started testing food at home and things like that, um, I really started focusing more on this gourmet grilled cheese menu, thinking, wow, it's kind of fun to make. It's really interesting. And I've never seen anybody doing this anywhere else in the country. So we're going back now. Melt's 13 years old. So it took. I started working on the recipes four years prior and the idea of what Melt was going to be about four years before I opened the restaurant. Um, so I started doing you know, research on the Internet, you know, um, this is pre-Facebook. This is pre-social media. Is this like dial-up days? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is 2000 and, well, let's figure out, six. So 2002, 2003 okay. Okay. Yep. era. Um, so uh, I could not find another grilled cheese restaurant anywhere else in the country. Wow. Uh, there was one in New York City. Um, it was called Grilled Cheese NYC, I think. Um, and this was in probably 2000 and, or not, not even 2000. Yeah, 2001, 2002. Uh, but they, clo- they ended up closing very very soon after they opened up. Um, I was actually in New York, and I went there because I, I was starting to work on this grilled cheese concept, and I was, we were playing a show in Brooklyn. And I was like, oh, I want to go check this place out. So I, so we happened to be in Brooklyn. So I walked up the street and found it and grabbed the menu and looked around. And I didn't eat there or anything, but I heard, like, in about six months later, they ended up closing. Wow. Um, because I already had this concept and this idea for this gourmet grilled cheese restaurant. So I just said, you know, I literally said, screw it. I'm just going to do this. You know, I, I, so in 2006, I, f- I found a bar in uh, Lakewood, which is the first suburb west of downtown Cleveland. Um, and I lived there at the time. I owned a house. Um, it was very important to me to open up something in the neighborhood that I lived in. So that's why I chose Lakewood. And um, it was a bar. It was an old man bar. It had been a, a bar since the 40s. 
and uh, they added a kitchen to it probably about um, uh, maybe 10 years before I bought it, 10 or 15 years before I bought it. So so it was relatively new renovation uh, of this kitchen, but the bar was really beat up. So anyways, I I knew I could I could turn it into something, something cool. So I bought the business. I immediately closed it. Uh, so and in seven months, my uh, myself and three of my friends renovated the space ourselves. Grand opened as Melt Barn Grilled September twenty second two thousand and six. Uh, but even when I bought the business, I didn't know exactly what it was going to be yet. I knew I was going to open a restaurant. I had all these ideas. I knew I had about seven months to figure it out. Um, I had a couple really cool menus written that I knew were gonna were gonna work. I didn't even have a name for the restaurant when I opened. This when is I so interesting. This. Yeah, this is so cool because so, I'm trying to like piece all these planning pieces together but it sounds like it's happening on the fly oh it, like, it always yeah, yeah it happens on the fly you know that's these, awesome you know you know draw up a business plan get financing you got to have all these things in place you got to have money in the bank i mean those are all very good pieces of advice for sure, starting sure. a business but i had none of those things mm-hmm. literally i had a good idea i had some bucks in the in the bank fortunately um, I had some family friends that wanted to help me out a little bit financially to get the get the business open, and my family wanted to help out a little bit. But it was like seriously shoestring shoestring budget type stuff, like piecing it together, all the renovation work ourselves. I think the name of the restaurant came probably about three months before we even opened up because I knew by that point I knew it was going to be a gourmet grilled cheese restaurant. I had the menu written. I knew it was going to be. I knew the kind of the kitchen equipment we had we had to come up with, but. I had about half the recipes written in my head or on paper, but uh, when the renovation project was done and we scheduled to open up on, it was a Friday, Friday, September 22nd, 2006, I took two weeks before we grand opened to go in the kitchen, lock myself in the building for two weeks straight, and literally develop every single recipe that's on the menu. So the tomato soup, the all the sauces, all the soups, all the dressings. That's like incredible. Any, putting all the sandwiches together. You know, I locked myself in there, wrote them all down, created prep recipes for them. Um, we had two soft openings because we opened up on a Friday, so I had a soft opening on Tuesday, Wednesday, closed on Thursday, grand opened on a Friday. So I remember, you know, it was me and 12 of my friends. I had 12 employees at the time. All of them had worked for me or with me in, in other restaurants that I'd pre- previously worked in. I kind of gathered everybody together and said, hey, I'm opening th- up this restaurant. I don't think it's going to be that busy. So if you guys want to give me one or two or three days a week and keep your other jobs, you know, if you want to help out, you want to be part of this thing, I think it's going to be kind of fun and cool. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll come over for a day or two. Really cool. So, you know, these two grand opening nights or these two soft opening nights we had, I remember distinctly, like I was working in the kitchen with guys, friends of mine that had I'd been working with for years, and we're making these sandwiches, and I'm making them, and I'm giving them to them, and I'm showing them how to sell them out to the out to the the guests that we had in the building, and they're looking at me like, "Hey, is this how it's supposed to look? Is this how it's supposed to taste?" And I was like, first time I ever made it. Don't know. Sure, <laughs> looks sure. good to me. Throw looks it out great. there. Let's do it." <laughs> so it it took us, you know, it probably even after we opened up, you know, it took us took me, you know, probably about maybe a month or two to really get it down to figure out what the heck we were we were doing i mean fortunately or unfortunately we were super busy from day one which was great you know but it really added some stress to it and it was all by your seat your pants man i mean we fortunately i mean i was there every day so it was my baby it was my thing it was my i made mistakes and i made successes you know so it's good that you took responsibility for it yeah i wasn't relying on somebody else to figure this out like i wasn't like well i'm gonna hire this corporate chef and you're gonna run the kitchen and and i'm just gonna stand here and 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 be the owner you know which a lot of people want to do they want to have that title and like you know stand here with a clipboard and and 
suit and tie and point like, finger. And no, I was in the back, like you're in the you know, trenches, in the trenches yeah. doing yeah. it, working. I mean, I would get there by at seven o'clock every day, and I'd leave at two a.m. every night, and I'd get mm. back the next day and do it. Um, it was wild. It was. Yeah, that's just like being on tour too. Like, oh yeah, you you get off the stage, you go back, you get in the the van, or you know, if you make it to the to the big leagues, then you have your your tour team do it for yeah, you. Yeah, but, but it takes a long time but, to get there. Yeah, and a lot the, of people never. I mean, the two hardest things to be successful in the world is music and restaurants. And you've done them. And both. I chose both <laughs> to try to make it or try to be successful at least. You know, I've like done the music very side. Very smart. Of it, but very smart. But me don't. Don't take my advice out there, kids. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't follow in my footsteps. Don't listen to Matt. <laughs> so, Matt, as far as you've taken a simple sandwich and turned it into something unique, mm-hmm. you've also done that with your restaurant space, you know, from, like, the ceiling design, um, just everything in the melt is pretty unique. Mm-hmm. What's the story behind the Christmas ornaments and the <laughs> Halloween ornaments? Uh, everything ties back to the first location. Everything ties back to Lakewood. And everything then, again, ties back to my childhood. To me, Melts is a very nostalgic-type restaurant. Grilled cheese is a very nostalgic sandwich. Everybody thinks back. What I want is I want to create memories for people. I want people to think back. Excuse me. I want people to think back to their childhood, like, uh, my goal for Melt was like, hey, come in here, eat a gourmet grilled cheese sandwich, have a beer, watch some TV. Remember when you were seven years old, you didn't have any problems in the world. You know, like that's what I kind of wanted Melt. I wanted the vibe to be. Um, the ceiling you mentioned uh, ties back to the original Lakewood location because Lakewood, I, uh, the building that we opened up in is going to be a century building coming up this in this year. I think it was... Uh, I think 2020 or 2021, the building actually turns 100 years old. So we had an original tin ceiling in the space that we took over. Um, and it's an original tin. It looks very similar to this ceiling. And it was painted this blood blue color. For some reason, the the previous owners before me did a small renovation project in the space and decided to paint that beautiful um, tin ceiling that's in there, this really dark blue color. And... The, 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 there were tons of, of, of thoughts thrown around back in the early days before we opened up of painting over this color, but they had just done it, and it, you know it was, we didn't have a ton of money to work with, so we're like, you know what, I can deal with that, I can live with it. So we ended up keeping this blue color, and it just became part of the restaurant. Every restaurant we've opened up after that, we've we've created this new this same uh, blue tin ceiling. Um, so the, the holiday blow molds, as they're called, they're technically called blow, B-L-O-W, molds, because they're, they're injection, they're plastic injection molds. Oh, um, cool. And they don't make them anymore. I mean, some companies are starting to make them again because they're nostalgic, but all the companies that made these back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and even into the 80s and early 90s are all out of business because they're expensive to make, they're expensive to ship, freight costs have gone up the cost of plastics have gone up and now you guys see like those really thin inflatable holiday things Mm -hmm. in everybody's front yards nowadays those actually replace these big bulky pieces of plastic because those things all go down to a small you know package and they come with a little like a fan and you just like light them up and do whatever so these are very nostalgic to me they're very old school i remember driving to grandma's house or at holidays or halloween you know they're in everybody's front yard so the story is and i don't do i have a dracula here i don't think i do right up there i think he's right there him? Right no, the it's not him. No, that's a different Dracula, but there's actually a, a tall, thin, like Bella Lugosi-style Dracula. I don't think <laughs> I have one here. But anyways, so 
this, this, it all goes back to me renovating Melt back in you know 2006 before we opened up. Um, like I said, myself and three of my friends were renovating the space ourselves. So we were going every day, going back and forth to the hardware H- store. How long did that take, the whole renovation? Uh, I bought the business in late January, early February. We opened up some, in September, so about seven months. Okay, okay. Gotcha. From start to finish. And we didn't gut it and start over. We, we there were, had some good bones to work with. It was a lot of cosmetic work, you know, but we did some renovation work, had to build some bathrooms. And, I mean, that's an entire podcast on itself. But, <laughs> anyway, so the blow molds come from me going to the craft store every day to buy new things to do for, to help renovate the space. So I'd stop at Home Depot or I'd stop at the, the hardware store. I'd go to this craft store. I'd buy some other things. So... It was getting close to Halloween, and we were getting close to opened up. And they, they were selling these Draculas. They're about this tall. And there were like six of them sitting on the floor. And I thought, oh, this is really cool. I'm going to take this and stick it up on top of the bar because the Lakewood bar is a pre-prohibition bar. So just imagine like the very old, ornate wood with the big mirrors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, those always have like a shelf on top that were designed to put like plants or a TV or decorations of some sort. So I take this Dracula, I stick him on top of the bar for my own amusement, not thinking I'm going to leave this thing up there, you know, for business because we're still about a month away from opening. So I put him up there, I plugged him in. I thought he was cool. So I kept him up there during renovation. Uh, we were getting close to opened up, opening. So I was like, well, it's September, October's coming. I'm just going to leave Dracula up there because we're, it's almost, ho- it's almost Halloween. So I leave him up there. Uh, Halloween passes. We're so friggin' busy. I fr- I don't even take Dracula down. <laughs> so Dracula's still up there, and just so happens that I was driving home from work one night um, after Halloween, and somebody had thrown out this big snowman. He was he must have been like five or six feet tall, like tall as me. Yeah, this big snowman. I don't and uh, I'm like a solid five six. You look. You, I would say five five seven, but I'll, I'll give oh, you an thanks. inch. Anyway, appreciate it. So, <laughs> so the snowman sitting on the side of the road. I'm driving home in the middle of the night after work. So I see Mr. Snowman. I pull over. I take him. I garbage pick this snowman. I take him home. I, I scrub him. I clean him up. I put a light bulb in it. Plug it in. He works. So I take him back to Melt the next morning. I stick him up on, neck, on top of the bar next to Dracula. Plug him in. So now I have Dracula. I have this snowman. And the rest is history. Basically, people start coming in. They're like, what is that all about? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I've just, I just got them up there. They're like, those are pretty cool. So to me, it was like nostalgia. reminded me of being a kid. But it's other people, it, was, you know, it meant something to somebody, whether it was, oh, I remember having that. You know, I remember my grandma had that. Or that's really cool. Or what the hell is those things all about? <laughs> you know? So what I discovered is, so I started collecting these things. So what I discovered is that, A, people, people dig them. They're, they're very unique and fun and cool. So we created a, a, another element of the atmosphere that you'd never seen anywhere else before. And at night, they kind of glow and they create this like light show that you can't recreate. Um, so like the lights, you guys can see now even the lights bouncing off of the um, of the tin ceiling. Mm-hmm. And so at night in here, like we don't we don't keep the place like super well lit. Um, so these holiday blow molds and the TVs back there really help to add to the atmosphere of the space. So now I went from having one or two of these stupid things to now I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them spread all over Ohio. I have a warehouse space that we store a lot of stuff in where I have another like a couple hundred of these things just in back stock ready to go if we need them. I've got a collector. There's a girl in Cleveland who's actually an antique dealer who collects 
these things. Like she deals in just these holiday blow molds because they're they're popular. People they're collectors' items. So there's a lot of people out there. Not me because I don't collect them because I really want to. I collect them because I kind of have to. But <laughs> I've I've turned into like I, I know them pretty pretty decent. I know the the price of them. I can tell you kind of what era they were made in. But you know, like I was sourcing them on eBay for a while. People would find people know I collect them, so they call me up. They're like, "Hey," or they send a, you send me an email. It's like, "Hey, I'm cleaning out my grandma's garage. Um, she's got twelve of these things in here. Do you want them? I got nothing to do with them. I'm just gonna throw them out." So I go over there and I throw them in the back of the van and get them. You know, I'm it's like, "Well, you got about five hundred dollars worth of things here, but I'll take them for free." Thanks. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> or I throw, you know, I give them a gift card or something. But yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's. It, they're, they're really silly, but they're kind of cool. No, it definitely adds to the atmosphere. I mean, you, you feel it's not very it's not home, but you're very comfortable and relaxed when you're. Yeah, sitting I here. mean, it's 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 hard to take yourself seriously when you're sitting here eating a, a giant gourmet grilled cheese sandwich and you're being stared down by Dracula and Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny right. and a, a penguin, you know, dressed up with a stocking cap on. Mm-hmm. My favorite's the alien up there. Yeah, the alien up there. I mean, th- we got people stuck all over everywhere. I don't know. I just think they're fun and cool. They're interesting. It's like. You know, they're they're very silly, but they're very serious at business at the same time. I also like the one you have of looks like a chocolate ice cream cone. Yeah, there's there's a couple ice cream cones. There's small ice cream cones, there's big ice cream cones. Those are the soft serve ice cream cones. They also uh-huh. they also sell the uh, the hard scoop ice cream cones, which uh-huh. we have at the Cleveland Heights location. There you yeah, go. they make plastic things for everything, but these holiday ones are pretty cool. I think I've got pretty much every single, not represented here particularly, but in all my collection, our collection, we've got pretty much every single one ever made. Is it possible represented. If, you, if you know anybody in this business, which it sounds like you do, um, is it possible for us to get three blow molded plastics that shape the shape of Michael's face, my face and Evan's face. <laughs> well they, they they do make the three stooges ones. Okay. Larry Curly oh. and Moe. We'll, so we'll take it. You guys could do that. We'll take it. Perfect. Just put us on the wall one Those of are locations. hard to find. Those are actually hard to find. Those are uh, those are very in demand collectors items. They're very expensive. When you when when you do find those things they go for a co- I know they brand new out of the box they 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 go for a couple hundred bucks Jeez. because they don't make them anymore. You sure, know? yeah, yeah. And they were like a novelty kind of thing for a while. Man, that's incredible. Well, thanks for sharing that story. That's that's a good question, Mike. Yeah, good question. As far as uh, tattoos, you're not you're not shy about tattoos. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the fan base getting the melt tattoo on uh, them? Oh uh, yeah, the melt tattoo family is what we yes. call them. Sure, I mean they're. They're our most loyal fans. They are rabid fans. We love them. They are amazing people. Um, I know a decent amount of them personally. Some of them I don't know. It's always fun to like walk into a restaurant and have someone be like, oh, I'm a tattoo member. And you shake their hand and meet them. And you know, show me your tattoo. What number are you? Oh, this is really cool. You know, stuff like that. Um, it's, it's a wild story how that one started, too. I mean, that was back in 2009. Uh, so we were, we, had just op- we were open for about a year and a half, two years. And um, I like I like silly schemes. I like silly things, obviously. So um, this I, I it wasn't real hundred percent my idea. So I can't take credit for it. One hundred and ten percent. There's a, one of my favorite bands is a band called Rocket from the Crypt, and they're from San Diego. 
Uh, they're a rock band. They've got a horn section. They're a six-piece. Really nice guys. We had a chance to tour with them for a while, so they're very nice dudes. Um, I was a fan of their music before we did a tour with them, but then after we played some shows with them, we became like pretty decent friends. So, so if you guys check them out, they're they're a great band. They're like kind of like rock and soul, but they've got a horn section. Yeah. It's really aggressive. It's heavy music, but it's fun. Anyways, so when they first started back in the early '90s, when they were kids, um, they yeah. called themselves Rocket from the Crypt, and all. F- there were only five guys in the band at that point. All five of the guys got this little rocket ship tattooed on them in different places because they have a little rocket ship logo. So all five guys at the time got this rocket ship tattooed on them. Just kind of a brotherhood thing. You know, hey, we're in this band together. We're going to, you know, we're called Rocket from the Crypt. We'll get this rocket ship tattooed on them. And then all their friends in San Diego that would go see them play started getting the same tattoo, but they would all manipulate it and change it somehow, make it personal to them. So Rocket started this fan club of tattoo members, and they said, if you get a Rocket from the Crypt tattoo, we will let you into any of our shows anywhere in the world for free. And they started a fan club with this, and they kept track of people, and they take pictures of everybody that has them, and they used to put out like individual like singles and things just for the tattoo members and things like that. So it's, it's, it morphed into this huge, huge thing where there's thousands of people around the country that have this rocket from the Crypt tattoo. Um, so I thought, always thought that was a really cool idea. So when I opened Melt, I was like, yeah, I want to try that out and see if it works for a restaurant setting. I think that'd be kind of fun. So back in 2009, um, on our ma- we, we had a mailing list of probably a couple thousand people. This is, again, pre-Facebook, pre-social media, you know, that kind of thing. And I put it out there. I said, hey, if you get a Melt Bar and Grill tattoo, if you get one of our logos tattooed on you or a variation of one of our logos tattooed on you, I will give you 25% off for life at the restaurant. Not thinking anybody was going to ever do this thing. Or maybe 20 or 30 of my friends would do it, and it would fizzle out, you know. Especially in the tattoo world, if you've already got, like, 20 or 30 tattoos, what's another tattoo is not that big of a deal. Especially silly tattoos, because right. a lot of tattoo guys and girls like silly tattoos. They're fun, and they're, they're cool, and they're conversation pieces. And you could tuck silly things in anywhere in your body. So I knew some people would do it, but I never thought it would, like, take off. So... I wanted to do it official, so I wanted to start a fan club, and I wanted to start this Melt Tattoo family, and I wanted to give everybody a membership card. So when you order, like, plastic cards, like credit cards or gift cards or something online, you can design them any way you want to. So we, I designed them to be this kind of blood-red card with the Melt logo on the front, and they'd be individually numbered in the back. So I had to buy 500 cards to get, because they don't sell them in, like, one or two or three. So for me to get them numbered, I needed to buy 500. So I had to get this big box of Melt Tattoo Family membership cards numbered 1 through 500, <coughs> thinking, oh, my God, I'm never going to get rid of more than 20 of these stupid things. I'm going to stick them in my drawer or my desk drawer. I'll find them in a couple of years and laugh. Wow, that was a silly promotion. So rolled it out May of, of 2009, and about a week later, this I, I'm in the kitchen working, and my GM at the time comes in the kitchen. He's like, dude, you're not going to believe it. Somebody did it. And I'm like, thinking somebody like ripped the, the toilet off the wall or something, you know, <laughs> like, oh shit, how, this, how much is this going to cost us now? You know, and they're like, no, somebody got a melt tattoo, like for real, he's out back. I'm like, oh my God, are you serious? Somebody actually did this? This is crazy. So I stopped working, I go out back and I meet this guy, his name is Jay Reed. He's tattoo member number one. His first tattoo ever was this huge melt logo on his shoulder. Dang, he right went here. big. He went yeah, big. Yeah, right here. It yeah. takes up like this whole space here. So I take a picture of him. I have we. I actually had like a little release form that he signed, um, and and we, I gave him his card. I said, "Cool, man, come in. Show your card, and we'll give you twenty five percent off every time you come in." That's and then awesome. a week later, some other guy came in, and then another another week later, a husband and wife came in, 
and got ma- not matching tattoos, but different melt tattoos. So we're up to four, and then now we're up to six, and now we're up to eight. And it's starting to kind of catch on, and we're taking pictures of people. We're putting them up on our website. Did you start to panic at all? You're like, oh, crap. Like- no, I know, because it was kind of cool. I had 500 cards. I don't care. You know? Yeah, but yeah, I, okay. I mean, these people are coming in. I, it was a cool promotion. So the news stations picked up on it. We did, we did the National Fox News because of it. <coughs> a story that they picked up a story on it. All the local newspapers and TV stations picked it up. Wow. We were in different tattoo magazines because of it. So now, I mean, we're the, it's ten years old now. Believe it or not, like so, this May will be ten years since we rolled out the Melt Tattoo um, promotion, and now, and we just went over nine hundred members. Wow, cool. that's incredible. So we're yeah, so nine hundred members in not, in ten years. So you've had to buy two sets of cards. I have, yeah, we've yeah. had to buy. Yeah, we jammed through the first ones. Not brew, not really quick, but. Um, I, I couldn't tell you when we hit 500, but it was back early. I mean, I was I was still working in Lakewood. I remember, so it was. I mean, we had other opened other restaurants, but so we probably hadn't expanded out of Cleveland yet. We were probably still not in Columbus yet, but yeah, we we just hit we just went over 900. So it'll probably take us another year, year and a half to get to a thousand, which will be really cool. So yeah. we're gonna have to start thinking about ordering another. Another five hundred cards. Five hundred cards. Yeah, we gotta get. Yeah. We, <laughs> we have to get card number one thousand and one through. You know, fifteen hundred. That's gonna be crazy. So, yes. with any kind of tattoo story, I feel like you have to ask, what is the weirdest tattoo place you've ever seen? What's uh, the strangest spot on the body? Uh, I mean, you know, people have got it like in in the, in the small of their back. Um, it's like some girls have got it like inside of their thighs. Some people have got it on their feet. Um, I'm always amazed by <coughs> the people that get it like right on their wrist. Like we have people that get it like right here, like right, you know, in the front row of the concert, you know, right here. Like you can't get away from that. You, it's not like you can hide it. Like you know, if you get it like here, you can like or on your back, you know, you, you can always wear clothes and maybe you got it or get it on your ankle or something. We see a lot of people getting them there, but a lot of people go for it and they get it like right they here. They want you to know, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, we love them all. They're awesome. That's incredible. They're, they're VIPs. You know, we treat them like, you know, like, try to treat them like royalty when they come in. Um, you know, because a lot of them we see on a regular basis. You know, yeah. a lot of people just get it. A lot of people get it because they're fans of the restaurant, obviously. A lot of people get it like, hey, you know, if I, I, so what's another tattoo? I've already got, you know, 20 of them. What's another one? I can get 25% off for life. I don't think people would do it if they dislike the restaurant, though. Right. You know, if it's like, oh, I really hate Melt. Their, food, their food's terrible. I never go there. But I'm going to get this stupid tattoo because I can get 25% off for life, you know? So right. it's wild that, like, 900 people would would commit that 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 much, you know, to to the restaurant. I bet that means a lot, too. It does. It know? does. I mean, it's... It's it's it adds a little pressure, obviously. I mean, it's fun, but it's like, oh my god, you know, I'm already in debt like millions of dollars, and then I've got 900 people that have the logo tattooed on me. Like, <laughs> oh man, what? This is a lot of stress. Jeez. Yeah, it makes you look at life. Um, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Are you part of the tattoo family, or is being the founder enough for you? Uh, I'm not. I'm not, and it's not because I don't believe in the restaurant. It's not because I, I a, I don't need a discount. So, but and I b, I do love silly tattoos. However. Uh, in in tattoo in the tattoo world, it's kind of taboo and bad luck to get oh. uh, your significant other, your kids, your parents. You know, you don't do any of those things while people are alive. Tattoos are memory triggers. Tattoos are memories of things, whether things you you really dig or memories of of people that have passed and things like that. So, so if you sell the business, then you'll probably. You'll. I don't know. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. Okay. But I mean, you know, how many? I mean, you guys probably don't know, but I mean, there's tons of people that get their band tattooed on them, and the yeah. band breaks up. Oh yeah. Or there's tons of people that get their girlfriend or boyfriend's name tattooed on them, and then what happens? You get yep. you break up. Then you, know, you gotta so, go get a new. Yeah, one you don't do that. You know, yeah. it's just taboo. So, 
I just, I just, I kind of subscribe to that way of thinking when it comes to tattoos. So, you know, I, I consider Melt as a family member. It's a very important person or part of my life. So I don't want to wish any ill will on Melt, you know? So, sure, so sure. that's my stance. That's why I don't cool. have one. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I um, I think, so we're coming up on a segment that we're going to call this segment one. We're part one. Uh, we're coming up on about 50 minutes here, and this has been great, but we are totally not done. Uh, I think we're going to take a pause real quick, um, and we're going to do, I, I feel like with the way the conversation's going, we have a lot more that we want to capture here. Sure. Um, so we appreciate your time. Oh, no. Um, I think we're going to do a part two. So Whoa. Um, you better tune in for that part two, because there's going to be, you think part one was a while, part two is going to be Yeah. Matt Fish crazy. himself just said that, guys. Off so. the hook. Off the uh, hook. one hell of a pitch there. Off yeah. the hook. Well, you got to ask me these Indians questions, and there's uh, supposedly this su- surprise question, which could have been the pineapple <laughs> one. That was the surprise <laughs> question. Oh, it was? Yeah. Oh, now, so, okay, based off that response, now we got to come up with a, on our break, we got to come up with a better question. We're on the spot now. Right. Oh, you shit. Guys surprise question. All right, well, tune back in for part two. We're going to take a pause right now. And welcome back to part two of our episode with Melt Bar and Grill owner and founder, Matt Fish. Welcome back to the show, Matt. Yay! <laughs> We're Todd, here. with the much more enthusiastic introduction. Thank you, Todd. So, a couple questions we want to ask. Um, first one being, has every grilled cheese that's ever been on the Melt menu, have they all come from your head? Mm. And secondly... Who comes up with the ideas for the posters? And the one I'm just going to give an example is because I'm looking right at it is that new bomb turkey one. And you've got <laughs> several. You've got several around the restaurant. We do. Yeah, we've got we've got lots and lots of posters. There's actually a poster book that we created two years ago uh, with 220, I think, posters Good. in it or something oh, wow. like that. Anyways, so the first question was the sandwich question, correct? Yes. Uh, the majority of the, the, the early days, uh, the, all the menu items, the sandwiches, were kind of more my creations. But as Melt has expanded and gone out, uh, I've developed a culinary team of myself and a couple other like-minded people within the company. <clears throat> and we've, 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 kind of, we've collaborated a lot on different sandwiches. Or some person will come up with one idea, and we all, we all kind of come together with it. But um, I would say the current menu right now is... It's probably 50-50 split. It's probably 50% my original recipes or sandwiches that I came up with, um, and then 50%, maybe 40% are other people's creations or collaborations that we've done with other people within the restaurant. We don't really pull much uh, much much help from the outside world like we don't like take customer suggestions or we don't have to find like some corporate chef someplace to help us develop you know recipes and things like that i mean i've been cooking for so many years and went to culinary school and fortunately i've got some other really cool like-minded people within the company that that have a really good grasp on what we're trying to accomplish it's 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 very non-traditional type stuff. I mean, these sandwiches are big. They're 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 really heavy on flavors. They're not shy about anything that they do. They're very bold, kind of in your fl- in your face, like picking a fight with your taste buds kind of thing. <laughs> so, um, so for someone to create that type of food, you really have to have that kind of mindset of like, is there enough garlic on here? No, there's not enough. You know, it's like we 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 kind of push things to like right to the point of like, that's too much okay let's dial it back a little bit sure, sure. you know they're they're big they're sloppy they're interesting we we still want to create things that and the world has kind of caught up to us a little bit you know because there's other restaurants that are not doing what we do but are going for that 
take on that specific food item or blowing it out, going over the top, you know, kind of thing. So we need to continue to just stand the straight and narrow, do what we do, trying to create really fun, interesting food, things that are, that's different that people haven't seen before. Yeah, that's that's smart. That's uh, we, try. we I, try. I remember you were talking about like the sandwich being in your face. I was just telling Evan this uh, before we came back uh, to part two here. Um, this so uh, the Easton location was my very first time. I moved to Columbus uh, in 2015, August okay. of 2015, and uh, I remember actually Evan. It was just, I believe it might have been your brother that I was meeting here for lunch. Mm. Um, and so Evan's younger brother was like my first friend here, ever, uh, ever. <laughs> uh, apart from my girlfriend at the time, which she's now my wife. Oh. Um, I I only knew her and her roommates from college, and cool. then Evan's younger brother showed up. But yeah, we so we came to the Easton uh, location, and uh, I just remember like the sandwich came out, and I was like, "How in God's green earth am I going <laughs> to eat all of that?" Right, and it was absolutely incredible and i remember taking i could only eat half yeah, at the time yeah that's the thing i mean a lot of people take food home with them which is great yeah yeah well when we had lunch at our at our pre-show meeting totally did the same oh, thing like right. i still can't eat it all but it's okay because i know i'm going to devour it on day two and it's mm-hmm. going to taste just as good um so that's a that was my first memory of the melt was uh this location i, I do remember coming in uh through that door over there and just stopping and going this what, place is cool. Yeah, like what the heck is this? I mean, like that, that's it, the reaction we get. A lot of people are like, oh, this is really cool. This is fun. It takes you a minute to process like, everything. Yeah, the, I mean, the goal is that I don't, I don't want people to really figure it out the first time they're here or the second time or the third time. I, I want people. I want to keep people guessing and keep people wanting more. Like, yeah. I, I, like, I like that place, but I'm not sure why I like that place. Like, okay, the food was great. The atmosphere was really cool. The server was cool. The music was cool. But why, you know... Like hopefully that all those things, but you know I, I want to intrigue people. I want to like give them a reason to come back, yeah. and I want them to see something different. You know, it's always fun when people come to the restaurant. They've been coming for years, and they see something on the wall or or just some aspect of the restaurant. And they're like, "Hey, I've never seen that. When did you guys put that up?" And I'd be like, "Oh, about ten years ago." Or you know, <laughs> like, "Oh, I never saw it before. That's really cool." So yeah. Yeah. I like doing things like that. So your second question was the posters, right? Yes. That is the the brainchild of a friend of mine in Cleveland. His name is John G., and he's a local artist in Cleveland. And John and I have known each other for years uh, from the music world. That's where everything kind of goes back to, um, is that John has been a poster artist and a comic book artist and a, and a record album artist in the kind of the, the underbelly of the Cleveland music scene for a lot, a lot of years. And he was a fan of the restaurant early on, so we kind of got together right after the restaurant opened up, and he was he was starting this poster project where he said, "Hey, I'm gonna do I want to draw a poster a day for an entire month," um, and no, I'm sorry, entire year. I mean, it was a year. I forget. I actually I forget what he, it was. Either I want to draw. A, you know, it was it was a month. So um, he's like, "I'm gonna draw a poster, one poster for a day for a month," and he he approached me and said, "I want to start with melt, and I want to draw a melt poster." for something and then I you know the next day I'll draw something for something else and something else so um so he drew this awesome poster and I was like this is really cool I mean you captured the sandwich you captured the essence of melt and I, and I was already kind of promoting melt as a rock and roll band like that's all I ever knew how to promote before because when I was working in restaurants for other people I was never involved in the marketing of the restaurant or the advertisement I was just involved in the creation of the food or the operations of keeping the restaurant running so 
all I ever knew was promoting the bands that I had been in the, in my past life. So when I opened Melt, I just treated it like another band I was in. So I put ads in the paper. We, we created flyers and, you know, all these kind of things for different sandwiches that came out. Um, tried to make the, the, the menus really cool and fun and interesting. So jo- John's posters made perfect sense for me. So once we started doing these monthly features, or we, sometimes we were doing weekly features, sometimes we were doing monthly features, I had John draw a different poster for every new sandwich that we rolled out because I kind of wanted to roll it out like, hey, this this band called Melt is releasing a, a new record. It was their new sandwich. Or they're going on tour and they're moving and they're expanding over to Cleveland Heights now or Independence or wherever we – or Columbus. So so John just started drawing all these different sandwich posters. And I would give him the name of the sandwich and the theme of the sandwich, and then he just kind of had carte blanche and we just went for it. So awesome. the New Bomb Turkey is a sandwich that we've been doing for years – and it's our Thanksgiving-centric sandwich. We run it every November. It's basically Thanksgiving dinner on a sandwich. Um, and there's a band from there's a band from Columbus called the called the New Bomb Turks, and they are a punk band from the late '80s, all the '90s, early 2000s. They still play every so often. We're, I've you know friends with the guys. They're really great. One of my favorite bands of all time. Um, so if you're if you're not familiar with with not Rock from the Crypt, if you're not familiar with the New Bomb Turks, you should be because. They are a great band, great punk rock band. Anyways, we'll try to tag them. So, so we named yeah. the sandwich after them, the New Bomb Turks, the New Bomb Turkey. Very cool. So we had that cool Cleveland tie-in because they were they were a Columbus band, but they were an Ohio band. They would play in Cleveland a ton. Actually, a lot of the guys are originally from Cleveland, but they went to Ohio State. They met at Ohio State. They started this this crazy band, and the rest is history. So, so the New Bomb Turkey was kind of drawn. The, the original poster. Which I, I, which I know that's not the original. The first poster, the first poster, I think, is somewhere in this building, and it's them as turkeys playing on stage. <laughs> that's awesome. And it's called the New Bomb Turk Turkey, and it's the New Bomb Turks dressed up as not as, not dressed up as turkeys, as physic, as real turkeys, <laughs> drawn as turkeys playing punk rock music. That's great. I like it. That's that's awesome. <laughs> so now. We're talking about the whole atmosphere and the whole vibe in here, and I think this goes for everyone the first time they step into a melt because it definitely did for me. First time you come into a melt, you're kind of you're looking at the menu to see what you want, but you're spending a lot of time looking around at everything up on the wall, like the posters, the artwork, and stuff. I know that's how it is for me every time I hopefully come into that's a melt. good. That's good. I'm to hear. looking around and seeing them like, okay, that's kind of cool or something. That's what I wanted. I wanted people's heads to be on a swivel when they came here. I wanted them to ne- like not see the same thing twice, like to look around and be like, what is this, what is this, what is this, what is this? I mean, I want it to be kind of s- like overload, like sights, sounds, smells, feelings. I want everything to be kind of overload when you walk in. When you walk in that front door and you see that huge like mural and you see like the big neon sign, all this kind of stuff, it's like it kind of hits you in the face. You're like, yeah. whoa. And then Dracula's I wasn't expecting you, this. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and even on your menus, I mean, you, you have your music background on the actual Melt menu. Mm-hmm. The covers have a record album on it, and you actually used to have... We used to have actual record albums that were our menus for years and years and years. Uh, We just switched over to a new menu format uh, last year in October because we just could not keep up with making these menus because I would have to source record albums and... We'd have to hand make these these uh, these menus, which was a lot of fun. It was kind of a labor of love, but when you've got ten locations, you know every time we do a menu change, we have to make anywhere between twelve hundred and fifteen hundred record menus, and they're each glued individually, put together. So it takes three people a couple days to make. Uh, and then what happens if I'm, you know, we make all these menus, and then a week later we discover a typo or a price has to change? 
So, you know, it's like you got to make sure they're perfect and they have to be printed correctly and all this kind of stuff. So, so we just, it got to a point where like we were kind of spinning our wheels and we, we, it forced us to A, have a smaller menu, B, to commit to this pricing and this is the way we're going to run the menu until it could be six months, it could be eight months, it could be two weeks until we have to make another one. So let's, you know, let's make sure it's all right now. The menu format is like we call it the Melt Bible. It's a big book that comes out um, and it's got, I think, uh, 12 or 14 pages in it. And now each page is printed individually. So if we need to change something, we can just reprint that page, take it out, restuff it in. But I wanted to keep the same feeling and the same old school record album feel. So we custom made these these, uh, menus at a company in Cleveland called Cleveland Menu, who is the largest menu uh, comp- maker of in the world. They've been around for, they're going on 100 years, and it's called the Cleveland Menu Company. Downtown Cleveland, anyways, we made these really awesome uh, record album menus, and we took, actually, 12 different record albums and scanned them and turned them into these nice faux leather covers, and the actual uh, label of the record is is in, inlaid into the into the menus. They're really cool. Yeah, so there you go. Next time you're at a Melt location, uh, you know, if you listen to this, that's uh, you got to take that away and, and take a moment and check out all the details around Please you. I do. Mean, there's so much. I mean, there's so much. I feel like I, I keep thinking of this. If If I were to try to sum up We'd going back to the math for for part one mm-hmm. of this this conversation. I feel like if I wanted to put the design of this place in a math formula, <laughs> it would be like one of those Einstein like twelve <laughs> page long. Like the form- entire chalkboard is yeah, filled up yeah, with this equation. Yeah, it's got like shapes and fish and somebody's and hair like, is like coming out. Yeah, and like freaking out. Yeah, exactly. That's and that's good because you, you'll never solve it. And it, it. Yes, it'll never equal anything. Yeah, exactly. It'll never be solved. The mystery yeah. of melt will never be. solved. You've done it. You've you've created the unsolvable problem. Do you have a favorite mm-hmm. classic rock album? Oh, uh, oh my gosh! I mean, what Actually, what band? What genre? I mean, my favorite. My, I guess my pound for pound, my favorite band is Kiss. Uh, their third record called "Dress to Kill" is probably my all-time favorite. But the Who is also one of my favorite bands, and any any of the Who records are amazing. Who's next? Tommy Quadrophenia, um, Who by Numbers is amazing. What um, about specifically just like artwork? Oh, not even, not even like talking about music, just the artwork. The artwork on the cover. Shoot, man. Um, this was kind of an on the fly question. This was a very on the fly question. Surprise. That's fine. <laughs> well, the Kiss stuff, obviously, because I grew up listening to Kiss, and those covers are super iconic. I mean, me as a seven-year-old, like, listening to Kiss records, and, like, that's, like, dangerous. That's, like, rock and roll. It's like, what is this? Oh, my God, this is crazy. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think I gravitate more towards, I, don't, I like, I mean, I don't buy records based off the artwork, but mm-hmm. I think, for me, growing up as a kid, I, I liked photographs on the front of records over artwork because I liked the picture of the band or I liked the... Like the, whatever photograph they had on on the front cover, because it right. it kind of summed up what this band was, you know. And a lot of times when you're like going through like old records, or even when I was a kid, like going to the record store, you'd buy records based off of the artwork, you know, on the record. It wasn't even if you never heard of this band. If it looked cool, it's 
it's a done deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I mean, the awesome. early Alice Cooper stuff, I mean, those covers are super iconic. Like, the Killer's record is great. Even the first, Love It to Death, is a great a great album cover. Because it's, it's the band. It's a black and white cover of the band. Yeah. Uh, like, the first two uh, New York Dolls records has pictures of them on the front cover. I mean, it was, like, these guys dressed in drag back in the early 70s. Mm-hmm. Like, that was super crazy for 1970, 1971. I mean, mm-hmm. that was wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of music, um, it, I want to get to that eventually, but I don't want to shy away from the business side of things. Um, is there anything else, Evan or Michael, that you guys had specifically that you wanted to ask? I know I wanted to touch on the, uh, you know, what, what's a, we were talking about it a minute ago. You know, what what is it like being, you know, that, that founder, CEO level person? Uh, but I don't want to... sucks. <laughs> Over. Done. That's the answer. It's hard. Um, is there anything else, Evan or Mike, that you wanted uh, to touch on? I mean, just to talk to the uniqueness of the restaurant in the Independence and Short North locations, you guys have added in uh, arcade mm-hmm. games. And you, you touched on the nostalgia aspect. And what's more nostalgic than playing arcade? Classic video games. Yeah, I mean, I grew up going to the mall when I was a kid in high school and going to the arcade and I remember dropping quarters in and quarters and quarters and quarters and spending the entire Saturday in that arcade. I love video games. I'm not a huge video game nerd nowadays, but when I was a kid growing up, I mean, that was really fun and cool. So, you know, arcades are very nostalgic. Again, they're back in kind of favor. Um, Pinball especially is coming back in a big way. Pinball was dead for many, many years, but pinball is coming back big time. And there's like these, you know, like, like, Big places like Dave and Buster's and stuff have these like enormous driving games, all this kind of stuff, like huge dollar games that are brand new on the market. So we partnered with a, a friend of mine in Cleveland who has a like an arcade um, company, and he buys and sells arcade games and collects them and stuff like that, and sets them up in different bars. So I just went to him and I said, "Hey, man, I've got these spaces in these restaurants that aren't making money. They're kind of dead space. We built the spaces." a little bigger than we should have when we first started out because we were really busy and we still are busy but now that we've expanded to 10 locations you know I don't really need 10 or 5000 square feet I can get away with a lot less you know so we've got these areas that hey I can take half the bar away we can do something with this or we have a huge waiting area so I can do something with this or we expanded the the independence location and created a huge party room which is fantastic but it held 100 people, and we really never needed, to, like, enough room for 100 people. So, hey, let's scale it back down to 80, and then we can make room for something else. So we approached these my my buddy, and we created what we're calling a, a Meltcade. Not an arcade, not a barcade, but a Meltcade. Nice. And we're combining pinball, old-school video games, claw machines, some new drivers, um, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just, like, a something else to do when you're at Melts. Not necessarily are coming in just for the games, but it's just a different aspect of... You guys see everything everything we do now. You know, imagine if we had, like, a cool video game, like an Independence, like, stuck in the corner, you know, like I had. Because Independence has eight pinball, a couple stand-up video games, a couple claws, a couple drivers. We just did it in Cleveland Heights, and that's going to be our largest meltcade that we have to date where we have – we actually have 22 games in there. A lot of pinball, a lot of arcade, yeah. uh, a, lot of, a lot of, like, the new drivers and stuff. So we just opened that up uh, a week and uh, – almost two weeks ago now. Wow. Congratulations. So there's a couple locations we're rolling that out in. Some some locations don't don't work. I don't think it's going to make sense for us to do it down here because there's not a lot of room. This is a, this is one of the smaller locations that we opened up. So it seats I think it seats about 120 right now. 
Um, so we'd really have to we'd have to take away seating to make it work here. Right. And we're, there's tons of windows in this space, so I don't want to put the games up against the window to block the light. So yeah. probably won't work here. But the short north here in Columbus, we added not too far away. No, 20 minutes away down in the short north, we added a huge pinball and arcade room down there. So that's perfect. You get you get the college scene down there. People are walking by. Oh, I'll get a beer, play yep. a couple play a couple games. Yeah, yeah, you were saying there's tournaments too. We so do. We like do pinball, pinball tournaments, tournaments yeah. in, in the different locations, monthly pin- pinball tournaments. So if you can't play for the Buckeyes, just pick up pinball. You'll exactly. be fine. Exactly. There's a lot of money in that. A lot yeah. of money in pinball. It's pretty yeah. intense, <laughs> I bet. So it, it makes is. me want to ask this. Uh, do you ever, and this is maybe my segue into music, do you ever think that you'll build a melt location? Maybe Evan has another question. You ever think you'll be build a melt location that involves uh, like more of a uh, like a stage area for for bands in no, the area? You no, I didn't want to do that. That that was an early on decision because I didn't want to mix the two things because sure. I like having the music, the soundtrack, controlling that. But once you put a live band into a situation. I mean, I know because I played music for so many years. It's always loud. It's always obnoxious. There's always somebody that doesn't want to hear it, and then they're going to eventually just leave because that's too loud or I don't like this type of music. I'm out of here, that kind of thing. So I really didn't want to do that because I didn't want to like be a restaurant by day and a club by night kind of thing. I just wanted to say, hey, there's enough music venues in, in, in the world. There's enough music venues in Cleveland especially. Um, I just want to do a restaurant and a bar. You know, yeah. I, I, I don't really want to do the late night thing. I don't need people like sitting here till two thirty in the morning having to kick them out. Like, let's do food. Let's do let's do a bar. Let's close at a decent hour. Let's make sure that our staff can not have to be here till three o'clock in the morning and then have to come back the next day and do it all over again. You know, like, right, right. I, you know, it's it's taking care of our employees and taking care of our staff is as is important as taking care of our guests. Um, sometimes we do forget that, but it, that that is important. So. You know, like it or not, I mean, if you if you work in like a club or a, a something like that, I mean, you're you're stuck leaving at four o'clock in the morning. You know, and a lot of restaurants do the same thing if they're open late. So, <clears throat> we try to give people quality of life and say, hey, we close at ten o'clock during the you know nine, ten o'clock during the week, eleven o'clock on the weekends, and you can be out of there on a Friday Saturday night. You can be out the door by one. You know, if you're a closing manager, or a closing like server, or bartender, or that's pretty or awesome. Back of the house, yeah. In the grand scheme of things, I feel like that's pretty awesome. It is. So that's that's interesting. Here, I was just curious sitting here thinking about it. You know, like as you're expanding on ideas, and I things. thought about it early on at the yeah. Linkwood location, but and a lot of people ask yeah. me early on, like, oh, when, you know, when are you gonna start having bands play over here and stuff? I'm like, I'm not. Not gonna like, do I it. I don't want to do that. Shut I did up. That. I did that for a lot of years. Yeah. I don't. I don't want. I don't. I, I love music. I love music venues, but I just didn't want that element at my place. That's that's interesting. Thanks so for sharing. pinball tournaments. Yes. Does the deaf double blind kid usually win them? No, we haven't had anybody coming coming as deaf dumb and blind before. Oh, believe it's, it or not. It's, oh. that's right. It's deaf dumb and blind. I think we Sorry. got a I think we got a visitor. Def. Oh, he looks like he's found himself in, coming in. So the front door must have been open. So <laughs> lucky him. I think it's our linen company, so they can just not quite. You want to go grab that real quick? I think that door is locked. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. we'll just, uh, just pause. You'll just keep rolling? Yeah, we'll Bye, keep it going. Matt. Matt's going to go let somebody in the door. So Matt's letting somebody in, yeah. Um, we well, hope you're still yeah, tuning in. Yeah, you guys in. are enjoying um, the show. Yeah. Just as a reminder to all the folks out there, uh, starting tomorrow, May 1st, the award voting for the Columbus Awards podcast. Or did I say that right? Columbus first Podcast Awards. Columbus Podcast Awards, the first ever Columbus Podcast Awards. Voting begins tomorrow, so be sure to vote for us. Third Floor Pod. Yes. Yep. Under the society and culture. Hey guys, guess what? Matt's back. I'm Matt's back. back. I'm back. Sorry. That cool. Was, that was intense. 
it's a busy life of a CEO. Oh, yeah. You had to let two people in almost. One person in, well, you had to direct another they guy. Sh- they, all this is, to, they all should go to the back door. This is like an air traffic control well, center, man. Well, it frustrates me because what, what if we weren't sitting here? What would they do? They'd have to figure it out on their own. They'd have yeah. to actually go to the back door, which is our delivery door, which That's is right. horrible. where everybody else uses. But yeah, I don't know. Well, you're a good guy. You, you took care of I it. I try. Yeah. yeah, I could have just pointed my finger and be like, go around back. Go, go, go. Just you know? throw a sandwich at but it. But I kind of wanted to throw that <laughs> reference to Pinball Wizard by The Who because yeah. we wanted to segue into music, and I'll let Todd yeah. ask that question kind of now. So we could spend like two years talking about music, I'm sure. So I have a musical background. I played drums. That was my first instrument. Cool. Uh, picked up guitar right before I went into high school. Did the whole, like, man, I want to be a band. I want to do this. Like, just tried my damnedest to get like a band started in high school and it never worked out um and my so my mom was a singer she uh recorded she she almost went on tour she almost had like the whole that used like back in i want to say the the 90s when i was like just born i want to say is when she was like still doing this um she sang with the marshall tucker band they came in and played. She sang against the country singer Eric Church in my hometown of, of Hickory, North Carolina. Um, she was in a competition against Eric Church, and uh, I don't know if you listen to country, but I do not. Eric Church was nobody at the time. He was up and coming, but he wasn't like as big as he is now. <clears throat> if he listens to this, he's gonna be like, "What the hell? I'm I'm somebody." <laughs> um, so somebody. Eric Church and my mom, which at the time her maiden name was Winks, but. My last name is Church now, too. We are not related to Eric Church. Um, anyway, they were in a competition. They both tied for first place in the male and female category, and then she went to Nashville, recorded two of her own songs with the Marshall Tucker Band, and then had the opportunity to go on tour and, and ended up turning it down And just because of the phase of life she was in. Um, and uh, it really inspired me to get into music over the years. I used to be all about baseball. I used to think I was, like, going to go to the MLB like that mm-hmm. was my life um almost went to college for it uh but yeah music introduced was introduced into my story and um it's really made a big difference so um I'm curious to just know like you know tying it into what I was saying a minute ago like the CEO level job it, it obviously comes with a lot of responsibility you don't just make it to that level of uh, responsibility without working your ass off, but mm-hmm. um, is there a balance with music? Do you, for, like, do you still play? Do you? Is there a way that you manage your stress uh, with music? Yeah, how, how does yes. it tie into your life? It's still a huge part of my life. I mean, it was always was when I was a kid, and I didn't want to lose it, so I haven't. Um, I did have to. I mean, I did a conscious decision to stop trying to be like a successful musician like a couple of years before I opened the restaurant because I couldn't do both. That was impossible. And, you know, I, I did the music thing for such a long time that I, I didn't, I knew that like I had to try something else. So, but I still did never wanted to stop playing. Like that was part of who I am and what I did. So, so I stopped playing music for about three years ish when I first opened the restaurant. And then when I found some free time again, um, I got back together with some buddies and we started playing some music and tried forming a band again and we did it for a couple of years and then that fizzled out and 
I didn't do it for a while, and I got back into it. So I've, I've in, in the last 13 years, I've done it, haven't done it, done it, haven't done it. Sure. You know, and I've done it for about a year, year and a half stints, maybe a two-year stint every so often, and then I would stop. And then I would do it and stop. So I'm getting, I've been stopped now for about a year, a little over a year now. I've, I've been on the stop mode. Yeah. So I'm getting back. So I'm, we're, I'm just about to get back into the go mode again with okay. music. Some buddies of mine, one of my former bands that we had a lot of success with, um, our singer, one of the reasons we broke up was our singer moved away. He moved to Austin, Texas. He wanted to leave Cleveland, wanted to go try something different. Um, Tired so, of the snow. So he moved to Austin. So he's been in Austin for about 15 years, and now he's moving back to Cleveland for the, fir- for the first time. So we are all, all talking about, hey, let's get back together. So, so uh, we are playing. So our first practice is actually this week, this week oh, cool. on Thursday. Cool. So we're going to play together for the first time in <coughs> probably close to five years. Because the last time we did it, we, did, we got back together to do a reunion show for a friend of ours uh, who hurt himself pretty bad. And had some pretty heavy-duty medical bills. So the club that we all used to play at in Cleveland, the Grog Shop, he actually works at. And so they put out, were putting out a benefit show for him. So they asked us, hey, it would be really killer if you guys could get back together and headline this show. Because uh, his name is John. You, you guys you were always one of John's favorite bands. Would you guys do this? So we started practicing. Joe, Joe would fly back and forth to Cleveland and practice with us. And he came home for a week went during the show. And we did that whole thing. So... Now we're going to officially try to get back together as an official, official band and see what happens. So What's the name? It's called the Chargers Street Gang is our, the right. name of our band. I see your name up there. What's that? Your name's up there on that poster. Is it? Oh, yeah, right. yeah, the Chargers Street Gang. Because the mural that's here is, is a music-centric mural, and all the band, everyone in this mural behind us are all musicians from Ohio. Oh, so wow. they are all somehow, some way related to somehow music in in ohio so we are an ohio band so our mural artist who's a friend of mine in cleveland threw my band in there that's awesome i like it (laughs) (laughs) well that's cool uh like i said we could talk music for days i haven't played drums now in almost a year so i gotta really get my chops back uh, and this music isn't like light rock so it's like it's kind of intense it's fast and so i gotta Get my, I gotta get my chops back. I gotta okay. get my stamina back up. So All I started right. playing last week, and I was like, "Ooh, I'm really rusty. Shit, this is gonna." Suck. <laughs> so it's gonna take like four or five weeks for us to figure it out. But we already have a show in October already lined up. So there's a national band coming through that we're that we're really big fans of, and we've opened for in the past. So we told the the club, the grog shop, it's this band called Mud Honey from from um, Seattle. They were like part of the big grunge movement movement back in the '90s. Um, they were they're probably the best band from that era. Um, okay. Anyways, so they're on tour again and they're coming to the Grog. So we kind of casually told the owner of the Grog shop, Kathy, we're like, Kathy, if you let us open up for Mud Honey like we used to, we'll get back together. She's like, okay. Done. I was thinking like, oh, she's not gonna do it. Cool. But no, she's like, oh, let me call the band. They might be into it. So they so like, oh, you guys are on. You guys are totally on. So we're like, damn it. Now we got. Now do we this. really do have now to get to do this, and we have a dead, now we have a deadline. So yeah. So we can't suck. Yeah. Apparently. I've got this uh, picture. Some, I think it's on Facebook, maybe. So uh, when my band was together, we, we were together from 2012 to about 2015, traveling up and down the southeast, uh, you know, Virginia all the mm-hmm. way down to Georgia. And, and uh, had, we played a lot of baseball stadiums. We did a lot of baseball stadium shows. That's cool. Uh, it was hot and miserable, but they paid us, so we yeah. were happy. Um, but one of the things that we were playing this club somewhere, I don't remember where it was at, but the steps right before you walk up on stage, 
the top said do not, and uh, or no, the top the top step said do, the middle step said not, and the bottom said step said suck. <laughs> so uh, we evolved that statement into turn the suck knob down. So just remember that. Uh, that's my word of advice. Just turn the suck knob down. I will pass that advice and, uh, on to people. You'll be fine. You'll, that do, sucks. you'll do fine. Thanks. Um, Thanks. So Mr. you're advice. coming to a close on the, the music side of things. Um, I've got two final questions. One is, do you use custom in-ears? I'm just curious. Custom what? Custom in-ear monitors. Oh, heck no. Okay. No, just curious. no, no. Live, man. As loud as humanly okay. possible. Okay, so you like the like speaker in like right face. next to your face. Yes, I want to hear all the music. Yeah, because when, when, when we, I mean, we practice in you know different practice spaces sure, throughout sure. throughout my career, but I mean everything's always live in the practice space. You know, everyone's yeah. playing as loud as humanly possible as you can hear each other. So that's how we practice. So that's how I always like that's it, how you in like the live it. situation. That's awesome. I've met several people that still prefer that. Oh yeah, uh, you know, I use custom in ears uh, if I am able to. Uh, I use sixty four audio uh, custom molds, but. I have been in those situations where it's like it doesn't make sense to use it. Right. Turn the floor wedge up and just crank it. So. Yeah, I've, I've never gra- I'm I'm kind of old school. I never really graduated to that type of of a venue before. Like we sure. play like the the smaller clubs and stuff like that. You know, yeah. like like Ace of Cups here in, in Columbus and and uh, the Grog in Cleveland and the Beastland in Cleveland and the Euclid Tavern back in the day in Cleveland, but. Yeah, it was all, it's like live in your face, like people are this close when you're playing yeah, yeah. kind of situation. So yeah. yeah, that stuff never I mean maybe nowadays it, I don't know. I've never just I've been I haven't played out in in quite a number of years, so who knows. But gotcha. I think if I own them we could probably tie them into the monitor system somehow, but Yeah. Nah. Give them a shot. They they have done all kinds of cool technology upgrades right. with how they process audio these days. I was shocked. It is an investment. It's a little bit of an expensive investment, but it is worth it. Right. You will never listen to music the same. So uh, the second question is, you're a drummer, so can you give us a 30-second rundown of your kit? Um, I, 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 play, I just play a three-piece right now. That's, I've, I'm a smaller kit kind of guy. Nice. So I have a 22-inch a kick. Uh, 14, a deep 14 snare. I've got a, f- a 13 rack and a 16 floor tom. Oh, nice. Okay. But I'm am t- I'm, f- I'm in the market for a new a new kit right now. Um, I gotta I have to get my chops back. I have to prove to myself that I can play drums again, which which will take me a couple weeks. But um, I've 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 been playing Yamaha for pretty much my entire career. Um, I, I had a Ludwig kit when I first started. I actually had a Slingerland kit when I first started, which oh, is okay. which is dating myself. Uh, then I had a Ludwig kit, and then I, f- the first new drum set I bought was a Yamaha drum set, um, and then I played that for many, many years, and then I bought another used Yamaha kit, and that's the kit I play on now. Very um, cool. And I'm still playing on it, but I want to get back into Ludwig. Ludwig's making some really nice drums nowadays. Um, so I want to buy like a, a, a new kit and then just have that be my kit for the rest of my life kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. But I, and I want to get up, I want to do a 24-inch kick instead of 22. Okay. So I'm going to do probably a, tw- and this probably makes no sense to anybody else out there except for me and you. <laughs> and, but, so t- 20, but you asked, so I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, no, you're speaking my language. So, 20, so. a 24-inch kick, and then I'll do a 14-rack and then I'm going to do two floor toms. I'm going to do a 16 and 18. Oh, yeah. So I'll do a four-piece kit. And then I'll probably 
keep my same snare, but I might I might get a new snare. I've had the same snare for a long time. I it's I took it on every tour I've ever been on. Uh, it's it's I've had to fix it eight thousand times. It's got different lugs in it. I cracked it once. I mean, it's I've thrown it across venues. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's got character. It's, yeah, it's done a lot of it's done a lot of time. I've seen a lot. Yeah, and, it's, and believe it or not, it's a Tama it's a Tama snare drum, and okay. I do not like Tama drums at all. But I played this thing, and it's a it's a wood, it's a solid wood, like fourteen or sixteen ply, wow, like okay. maple drum, ma- maple snare, and it's super deep. It's six and a half inches deep. Oh, it might be an eight inch deep. It that's that's got a have it's, a solid. It's got sound. some balls to it, yeah. So, <laughs> and I didn't even know this, but somebody told me they're like, "Oh, that's that's the that's the same snare drum that Dave Grohl that Dave Grohl uses." Whoa. So okay. I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool." I don't I, I don't. Let's know. tag Dave Grohl and see if yeah, he comments some good about company it. There. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, we'll have to stay in touch. Nerded out. We just nerded uh, out. Yeah, we just. Evan and Mike are like, what the hell's a rack? And yeah. what, what was he what, talking about? No, that's Floor good. Tom, there, like, there's some listeners out yeah. there that are going to appreciate that. Yeah, there's a couple of friends of mine that are uh, here in Columbus that are. I I'm, can't, yeah, I can't talk guitars or amps or anything like that, but I can. But I, drums all day. I can hold my, I can hold my own with a drum yeah. conversation. Well, Lugwood was my first official kit. Like, after I took an 18-week drum course, did some uh, jazz band in middle school. Cool. And then Ludwig was my my kit for a long time. Nice. So, but yeah. Um, well, we are coming up on about an hour and thirty minutes. So, um, guys, I think this has been awesome. Um, we could probably keep talking Matt's ear off. Matt could keep talking our ears off, and we would love it. Um, is there anything else that we want to touch on? Well, you've been harping on me to ask this question, so I hear harping. you're oh. a pretty big Indian. This is fan. the real surprise I'm pr- question. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Indians fan. I, I don't, okay. I don't know a ton of like trivia or nostalgia type stuff. I, I mean, I've been a fan since I was a kid. Give, give me your best shot. What do you got? Oh man, <laughs> I mean, how, how you had some questions. How prepped. far back are we? How long have you been a fan? Uh, I mean, I was, I've been. Knee high to a grasshopper. Oh my god! Yeah, my dad used to take me to Municipal, municipal Stadium when I was a kid. Do you remember I'd like opening what, day? Uh, what year your first game was? Uh, I distinctly remember going to a game in 1984. I distinctly okay. remember going to a game. Uh, I see, I was born in '73. So, do you know who pitched w- in that game in 1984? <sighs> who they play? No, no, I have no idea. This is this would have been like the Burt Blylevin era. So Bly Levin was pitching. Um, I think 1984. Rick Sutcliffe would have been on that Sutcliffe team at the beginning, was on and then the he team. was traded to the Cubs, and they got Joe Carter in that deal. They did. They and did. Then Joe Carter would later on to get traded to, to Toronto. Eventually, right? I think San Diego. And then he went to Toronto. And that's yeah. But we got Sandy Alomar Jr. Oh. from that deal for Joe. See, Carter. you know way more than I do. I don't follow players' ins and outs and all that kind of stuff. I don't like to like front myself because i don't want to seem like <laughs> cocky about it but like look if, evan it's there's a gift. so much baseball knowledge like wrapped up inside this if you head, know man. it own it man evan yeah. who won the world series in 1976 the reds they swept the yankees what was the score i can't well there's how many games if they swept yeah. them as four you gotta games. ask them what think, was the score of game number three I, I don't know i think the final score of game four was seven to two Oh, and we'll look this if up we do this with NFL, we could sit here all day, no joke, <laughs> and it'd be like Evan, what's the Super Bowl of 1964? Where was it at? And who broadcasted it? And he would just name it all that. It's incredible. That's usually how I introduce Evan to girls too. Yeah, if like we're cool. ever around like a public setting, I'll just say that about seven him. Seven to two, game four. Seven wow. to two. Yeah. Well, I think the interesting thing is the Melt has a relationship with the Indians. Right. 
We do, yes. We have a stand at the at Progressive Field. Yep. So we're in a, going into our fifth season now, which is nice. We were part of the uh, the right field renovation project that happened, um, and it's fun. It's been interesting. It's a it's a license agreement that we work with out with them, so we don't have to really put too much time or effort into it. They they run it for us. Uh, we provide them our food and give them our recipes. We design the stand. Uh, we can go down there and work anytime we want to, which is really nice. We train the staff and go check in on it. But it's just a nice, cool partnership. You know, we provide food for there's a tons of different restaurants that are down there nowadays. But um, you know, the it's it's we're, our stand is still pretty popular down there. Have you ever thrown out the first pitch, or would you be? I willing? have. Oh, no, oh, we were asking that before the show today. That's that's awesome. I did. We actually used to have uh, we used to brewer, it was 15, I think, was when we. Uh, uh, the first year of, of our stand down there. So if, in 2015 and 16, we actually we used to have melt day at Progressive Field. Um, and it was I think it was even Jacobs Field back. No, it must have been Progressive Field. Anyways, so we, we I would buy, not I, we wouldn't buy tickets, but we would get a whole section, and they would give us a reduced rate, mm-hmm. and we would then promote it, and we'd have just our staff and anybody that wanted to come for the game that day would buy a ticket in this section, and then... Uh, they when we did this we did this twice in one season so the the first time we did it they said oh this is really cool you, you know we, we had like 220 people come and they're like you want to throw the first pitch out I was like it's that easy and they're like oh yeah yeah we, you can just you can just come down and do it so I was thinking I'm gonna do it all by myself I'm gonna march out there and do it so I get down there and it's like I'm throwing the first pitch out and then there's like other two little kids going out with me <laughs> to throw the first pitch out and I was like I didn't feel so special anymore yeah I was like, how was the oh. throw. Uh, I, I would like to say I got it across the plate on on the fly, but I bounced it right in front of the plate. Mm. That's it's a, it's a little more it's a little more intimidating than you actually think yeah. when you're when you're down there because I've been on the field before when there's no game and you're like oh wow this is really cool yeah. you know and but when you're there at pregame and there's people in the stands and it's like people watching you you're on the you're on the big jumbotron it's it's a little intimidating it's like yeah. crazy it's like whoa this is nuts yeah john caparulo a, a comedian that i listen to he talks about how he i think he threw the first pitch uh i don't remember which team but he was like threw like a total just sissy <laughs> like skipped and hopped it all the way to the plate i was practicing too man i measured off 90 feet and i was in our parking lot in our in our building in downtown cleveland and i had a baseball actually had a signed jim tomey baseball that Ooh. i was using to throw with Favorite player. and i was throwing it against this brick wall i didn't really care about the baseball it's like ah, whatever so i was just like 90 feet away from this brick wall and i drew like a square on it and i was like i gotta hit this because i was i grew up playing baseball so i can I haven't played in years, but I mean, I played through high school through basic yeah. for baseball, so I was a decent player. So was ninety feet like just assurance? Because it's only sixty feet six inches from the mound. I know, but I wanted to make sure mm-hmm. that you I give himself like, a thirty foot. I wanted to give myself like velocity. Totally you know? understand it. So wait, yeah. do you still have the ball? Yeah, I do. It's in my office. All right, there you go. Cool. All right, well, guys, this has been fun. Yeah, Matt, it really thank, has. Thank you so much for yeah, this, for doing this. This it's been is a incredible. Great time. You drove down early. You even offered to make us coffee. I did, but I didn't. But you didn't. It's okay. It's all right. Because we all think just alike. We brought our own. Uh, you explained so much about your story, your personal life, your your just overall from where you started all the way to where you are now. Um, it's been really cool to just hear all that so thank you for coming on the show you're very um, welcome thanks for having me yeah we'll try to catch you in columbus whenever it, next time you're you're playing a show in columbus i will let uh, you know let us know i don't know if we're gonna yeah i don't know 
I mean, we still don't know what the heck we're going to do with it. I know sure. we, we have that show in Cleveland planned uh, in October. I think we're talking about like writing some new material, but yeah. I don't think we're we're all old guys now with families and things going on. So mm-hmm. I don't know if we're ever gonna like actually get in the van and like go anywhere. So sure, we'll, we'll sure. probably play Cleveland shows every now and then, but unless unless somebody has big money out there and they want us to play, which yeah. I doubt will happen. Throw it, throw it Just their way. Throw it your way, man. I will. I if you will. ever need a front of house engineer, I know a couple people, myself included. All right, keep uh, you in mind. That's what I do. Keep so uh, yeah, where can people check out the melt? You guys are on social media. Yeah, I mean, the website is MeltBarnGrilled.com. It's M-E-L-T-B-A-R-A-N-D-G-R-I-L-L-E-D.com. Uh, our social media tag is MeltBarGrilled. Um, our Facebook page, just type in MeltBarGrilled. It should come right up. So, yeah, follow us on all of our social stuff. Go check out the website. Um, get a tattoo. Get a tattoo. If you're really interested, we have a, uh, a frequent diner club. It's called the Big Cheese Club. Um, you can sign up in-store or you can sign up on our website. And we send out a monthly newsletter the first of every month um, that kind of gives you the announcement of what's going on at, at the restaurant for that month, any promotions we're doing, beer features, food features, if we're going, doing any charity events, if there's anything cool to come and, and see and talk about. Very I mean, cool. You know, we have two locations in Columbus. I guess I can rattle off the locations. We have 10 we have 10 in in Ohio. Can you do it in under 20 seconds? Uh, Lakewood, Cleveland Heights, Independence, Mentor, Columbus, Short North, Columbus, Easton, uh, Canton, Akron, Avon. Wow. Dayton. Look at that. Boom. And then we have three satellite locations with this, the Cleveland Indians, Progressive mm-hmm. Field, uh, Cedar Point. We have a full service location a full uh, at inside the park at Cedar Point. And then we have... A small college up in Cleveland called Case Western Reserve, which is on the east side of Cleveland. We are in their student center That's awesome. Nice. Well done, sir. Uh, thank you. <laughs> any special promotions coming up? We're heading into May. Do you guys have any sandwiches? Uh, we, we're doing three different awesome sandwiches for April, May, and June. Um, one of them is a fried bologna sandwich called the After School Special, which is really cool. We're doing a, 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 a kind of a Mexican Latin flavor pork sandwich called the Springtime War Pig. Uh, and then the third sandwich escapes me, right? Oh no! Wait, what, what is it? Shoot! What's the third sandwich? M- Melody, what's the third? What's the third sandwich we do, we're doing this month? We're doing a fried bologna sandwich. We're doing the the BLT. Boom! Thank you. Thank you, Melody. We're doing the uh, um, fried green tomato BLT. We brought I that. I saw back. the poster. Yeah, 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 yeah. We brought it back from. That's it. Awesome. We had that on the menu for 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 a while, for a couple years. And then last year, we took it away because green tomatoes were impossible to find. The, the, the tomato crop coming out of California and Arizona and Mexico actually got, uh, there was a huge frost and pretty much knocked the entire mm-hmm. tomato product uh, crop out. So it was hard enough to find green tomatoes, which are ripe tomatoes. You certainly couldn't find green tomatoes or red tomatoes were ripe, green tomatoes, which are unripened tomatoes. So they were letting everything ripen so because that's a bigger market. So... We could not find green tomatoes, so we decided to take it away, and the crop has recovered its back, so there's no supply issues. So we're running it for a couple months to see what happens and how it goes. Nice. So it's selling well. Well, there you go. So awesome. you got three new sandwiches. Three you new got sandwiches. a guy here who literally has a cool story. If you, You'd be crazy not to listen cool to enough. it. Cool enough. Cool enough. Cool enough. Got a bright future for the next 90 years of your life. Uh, I don't know about that. And, 90 uh, years. I don't think. I won't live to be 130. Can your drumming hands withstand 90 years? I don't know. Got to get those I, chops. I hope so. All my blisters have gone away and my calluses have gone away because nice. I haven't played in a year and a half. So I'm 
I'm really dreading having to play in yeah. the next couple of weeks because my hands are going to bleed really bad. It's all right. I, that's how you know hurt. you're doing well. They're going to hurt. Yeah. They're going to hurt. Well, uh, Matt, why don't you take us out, man? Give where, us a closing statement. Where are we going? Where are we going? Where you want to go? I'm just come hang out with us at Melt. I mean, it's it's a fun, cool, fun environment. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Come see us in Cleveland. Come check us out. Um, if you want to contact me, just go to our website. Uh, info at meltbarngrill.com is the email address that comes directly to me. So you can send me hate mail, send me love letters, say thanks. Pictures give me a of your five. tattoo. Give me virtual high fives. Yeah, join go. the Melt family. The Melt Melt tattoo family. Yeah, there you go. Check it out. Try it out. Matt, this has been a great time. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you. Yep, we'll see you next time. Audio.